Testing, testing, one, two, three. episode of the Movie Lovers Podcast. Great to be back, guys. It's been uh, quite the hiatus since our last podcast in March, but we're back and we're ready to bring to the table a very comedic episode of the Movie Lovers Podcast. Um, so, to start off, let's just do some in-house business. Like always, you can visit us on Twitter with our alias underscore films we watched at twitter.com. You can also uh, download us through iTunes to your iPhone, your iPad, or wherever you may access iTunes. Uh, you can just go and check Films We Watch or the Movie Lovers Podcast. Also, you can uh, uh, reach us through the lovely um, people at soundonsite.org where we also post our podcast, but also has a plethora of resources in film and reviews. Very nice choice of words. Yes, because there's a lot of things that are movies on soundonsite.org. Yes, they're great. Great, rich content. Um, and also you can follow us on Facebook through our fan page from the Movie Lovers Podcast. And please do, because we are trying to amp that up and get as many fans and followers as we can through there. Mm-hmm. So, without further ado, we're going to be reviewing two new films uh, that were released this year, comedic films, uh, 21 Jump Street, along with Casa, Casa de, de Mi Padre, Padre. and uh, both very funny, and just a great way of starting us off again, because we are very funny people, at least we try to be, mm. more so, Kathy's funny. more funny than I am, Really? but I it's a good so. try. I really doubt that. Well, you're funny right now. Well, you're funny looking. Thanks, babe. And uh, we're going to end our podcast with a top five of all the films, all the old releases, we should say, of the movies that we've seen this year thus far. So it's going to be a jam-packed hiatus episode of the Movie Lovers Podcast. So we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back with 21 Jump Street. Yay! The department was forced to drop the charges. Because you forgot to read him his Miranda rights. I did read him his right. I did a version of that. Do you even know the Miranda rights? Yes. Let's hear him then. It's, look, it obviously starts with you have the right to remain silent. I know you've heard this before. And, and then, um, it, it, I think it sounds something like, uh... Well, the thing... This, uh, you, oh, right. You have the right to remain an attorney. Did and, you say... That you have the right to be an attorney? You do have the right to be an attorney if you want to. 
Alright guys, so let's jump in into 21 Jump Street. Dive right in. Let's just dive right in. Um, so this is a film uh, about uh, two underachieving cops and uh, they get sent to uh, go undercover at a high school to try to bring down uh, a, a drug dealer or a new synthetic drug that's being produced at school so they just need to find uh, who, the source of it. Um, and it's played by uh, Channon Tatum and Jonah Hill. They're the two cops. Uh, and uh, that's, that's basically what the plot of the movie is. Great. Who's it directed by? Uh, it's directed by, uh, was it Phil Lord and Chris Miller? Okay. If I'm not mistaken, those are the two directors. Um, and it was written by Jonah Hill. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. which is great. So in a nutshell, these two underachieving cops go in as, or are acting as high school students so that they can bring down dealers and suppliers of this newly synthetic drug that's been circulating and and trying to contain it before it goes viral into other high schools. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. All right, so let's just jump right in. Kathy, what did you think of 21 Jump Street? Uh, I actually enjoyed this film. Yeah. And I was very hesitant because, I mean, I, I enjoyed Chatham Tatum. I mean, he's wonderful to look at. Uh, and I, we've, I've seen him in... Well, oh, because it's true. Uh... Uh, that movie that he was in recently, uh, Magic Magic Mike. Okay, so he's becoming, he's like, you know, in, in all these movies, you know, these lately, and he's uh, the guy to see. Uh, but I, I really, I didn't really feel like I wanted to watch this film. I, I'm not a really big fan of Jonah Hill. I mean, I, I was like, ugh. I'm not making any sense right now, but um, well, because your mother, doesn't your mother, sense, my mother-in-law suggested us to watch it because she's just in love with Chad and Tatum. Yeah, of all people. Yeah, um, and to be honest with you, uh, I thought it was funny and I enjoyed it a lot because it was a cross between the past of how high school was compared to the modern high school, and I think of us being a little bit more older, more I guess out of that phase we're closer to our 30s now so I think we can really appreciate the awkwardness of, of just seeing these two characters going back into high school and just seeing how everything is just so different uh, and I thought that was interesting and that's what made this this movie kind of fun to watch absolutely absolutely um I didn't think much of this film going in like I I love comedy movies um, I've, I was I was grown up with comedy, but for some reason this kind of just skipped my radar this year, mm -hmm. and it was until it was kind of brought out on DVD and Blu-ray where I heard all this buzz now that you should see it, that people started to enjoy it. My mom's going through this Tad and Channing kick now because of Magic Mike that she's been seeing everything from Step Up to The Eagle to this, so she's like... This fits right into Chris's personality, and Chris has to see it. So, given the context of the film and the fact that it's Jonah Hill and he wrote it, and I am liking Channing Tatum. I think he's he's really step <laughs> pun intended. He's really stepping up as an actor, <laughs> and uh, I, I I was curious to see what he would bring to this table, and also the 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 source material is kind of intrigued me as well. Yeah. So why not? So we give it a try. I and did. 
And like you, Kathy, I really, really enjoyed it. We were really laughing out loud during this movie. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, I think with his character, I think I've mentioned this before in other episodes, but as an actor, he, I don't think he's the greatest, but he... You, I think he's just very charismatic, and, and I think people can easily relate to him, and I think he's really down-to-earth and sweet, and um, it's so great that he's so at ease with himself, and I think that's something that you can you can watch his films and just gather that from, from it, and he just makes fun of himself like crazy in this film, and I just love that. I love... The, the the fact that you know it's a guy like him who tends you know he's who's hot could just be so funny and just like make such a fool out of himself and I just think that that's hilarious and and that's great I think his overall personality is like is shown through his films and and I think that's why I'm starting to really enjoy watching them so oh absolutely I I agree with that too I think that. This year is really a, a banner year that's marking Chatham Tatum as a as an actor, and I think this film really allows him to make fun of himself quite a bit. Um, they they do a lot of handsome jokes in this film, but it, I don't think they overdo it. I don't think they really over. I don't think they really overplay his his handsome qualities. Well, no, it's a good and bad thing because they'll compliment him and be like, "Oh, you're handsome, but you must be like dumb as a fuck," you know? Like <laughs> he must be so dumb, but because it's handsome, you know. So dumb, it's, dumb as a fuck. Yeah, can I coin that? Yeah, I just, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say dumb as a fox, but... <laughs> I don't know, I just felt like cursing at that point. There so. you go, no, you're right, you're right. And, um, I, just going into the plot a little bit, so, Chatting Tatum it plays the, the jock, the meathead, kind of, in high school, and Jonah Hill was the nerd. They never really got along, but then they got into an academy together, and they realized that if they combine both of their, their talents, then they can kind of help each other within the areas that they're weaker in. And in the process, uh, they develop a bond, a brotherly bond. Mm -hmm. So now they are teamed up, and, and they're kind of underachievers. They, they're rookies, and, and uh, they have park duty, and it's just really boring for them. So they try every way to kind of make things a little bit more interesting, so they try to... Um, capture these group of motorcycle drug dealers and they try to capture them on the fact that they were using marijuana in the park and and thus getting into trouble by not saying the Miranda rights and doing stupid acts while uh, making their arrest, their captain transfers them to 21 Jump Street um, and feeling that it's a better fit for them but they're still kind of mixed up and, and not doing things right uh, when they're actually in this school. And part of that is that Ch Chatham Tanning's character mixed up their identities, being the unsmart one. So, in doing so, Chatting Tatum becomes the nerd that, that's forced to go into the, uh, the AP Honor Society uh, classes of, of chemistry, and Jonah Hill does more of the dramatic, track, sports type of classes. And and doing so, I think that's really, I think that's really where the the beauty of this film is. Is that that little switch up, I think, is really 
what makes it very charismatic and really brings out the charm of this film. Well, yeah, but I, I think it, it wasn't because of the switch-up that made it, you know, that made the film come about. It's just the no, fact that... I disagree. The, well, I think I'm trying to, trying to explain myself, and I'm hope, hoping that I make sense, but their personalities in the way that they are are extremely different from one another and in high school like you mentioned Chatham Tatum was a jockey you know he really studied you know he made fun of nerds and Jonah Hill was a nerd but then coming into a modern day high school environment I mean nerds are in you know being the jockey stupid type is not in you know um, being able to drive uh, hybrid cars and being able to recycle, uh, you know, your your the bottles and glasses is like a hip thing to do, and the environment is cool, and so it's just like even if even if their identities weren't really switched up, I mean, I feel like, you know, the point of the film was the fact that now Jonah Hill becomes the popular guy, becomes a person that everyone wants to hang out with and who people think is cool. And um, I think the switch just made it happen a bit, pushed things along, because especially for Chatham Tatum's uh, character, because he was very comfortable now in learning to be friends with nerds and learning to love science or chemistry and whatnot. And he came into his own element, I think, too, so... Um, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I just think there was a little bit more to that than just oh, a sure. switch. Sure, no, no, and, and you're right, but I think it's almost like a fish-out-of-water story in that case yeah. where in this modern-day school, the jock isn't really the, the cool kid anymore. It's the nerd. But given given the fact that they had to make that switch, mm-hmm. brought about still the fact that Jonah Hill's character had to kind of switch mentalities, and in doing so... He became kind of a jerk, and uh, Chatham Tatum's um, character still fell into the nerd category, mm-hmm. which yeah. which was which fit him. You know, he actually and I and to be honest, between the two, I thought going into the film that I would be digging Jonah Hill's character a lot. But as it turned out, I, I really gravitated more towards Chatham Tatum. Uh, the fact that he learned that he could blow up stuff in chemistry. And he could really use the nerd's uh, brain power to his advantage with with doing stuff with the cell phones and whatnot. And then also just he he just developed a relationship with these with these nerds because he himself was a, like I said a fish mm-hmm. out of water. Mm-hmm. So he gravitated towards them, and he he was like a little kid again. Like oh look, I'm blowing stuff up. You could do this. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do it again. Like I love that. I love that. I really. And the fact that he kind of used what he learned with potassium and, and oh. covalent bonds at the end to actually get the criminals at the end was awesome, too. So it was a nice bookend. I'm a sucker for bookends. And I think it was his character development that really made it happen. Mm-hmm. So so I'm I'm actually looking forward to the next film that Chatham Tatum's playing, which says a lot. Oh, because yeah, I didn't, that's coming out. What is it, 10 years? I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. That. yeah, but I mean, just him in general, I think he's developing some great works this year, especially from the get-go with Haywire to even Magic Mike. I really enjoyed Magic Mike. Uh, you might be surprised at, at my, my top ten this year, if that makes it uh-huh. or not. But I really mm-hmm. thought that that even that film 
exceeded my expectations from a, not only a director's point of view, Steven Soderbergh, but even from his point of view, from um, Tatum's point of view, because it really just exceeded all expectations, really brought out his acting chops, and really developed a movie that I thought was would have been very flamboyant and geared towards a female audience, but rather, rather um, just made it into a more deeper, solid piece than than going into the film when I thought it would be. So, and 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 I think this does the same thing. It, it really brings out more of his acting cha- uh, chops by doing a comedy of this sort. So, so I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, yeah. Other than I, I've been saying a lot about Channing Tatum. You know how you feel about Channing Tatum, Kathy. How did you feel about Jonah Hill? Um, Jonah Hill is Jonah Hill for me. <laughs> I mean, he's funny, but he's also one-dimensional. I think that's just think the type. So. Of, he's definitely becoming yeah, a, well, a, granted, a, a bigger I, actor now. He is, is, and granted, I, I haven't seen him in Moneyball, and, and uh, I think that's one of the reasons. Oh, I saw that without you? Yeah, you did. And, okay. and I don't know how... He was how, okay. I just, I, I think he's just, I think the character that you see him in movies is just the way that he is, and it's just his character in general, and it's not, it's not spontaneous enough, it doesn't, you know, grab me, he's just that guy who's awkward and, you know, funny and says, you know, these comments that people tend to love, and he's just there, and I appreciate that, but it's nothing to be, you know, crazy about, but, um, mm. he's funny, and he's funny in this film, so... Yeah, I like him. How about Ice Cube? Ice Cube made some had a good little part. He he played the stereotypical black angry captain. Yeah, and he, and he made a great. I great, love it. He had some good lines in there. Um, I thought he fit the bill pretty well. I think that was an excellent casting choice. But just to go back to Jonah Hill, I totally agree with you in that that he is very one dimensional, um, and he definitely has a shtick about his acting. And I think it played well for this movie, yes. as it does with all of his acting yeah. choices. Um, but something like Superbad, where I love Superbad, mm-hmm. I think that's where he reigns supreme. Whereas this, I think you could really see his his writing chops come out, because he did write this film. He was co-writer with this film, so mm-hmm. I really think that he did an excellent part in bringing in a character like... Chatting Tatum, who Jonah Hill could have easily made the movie more about him and his character development, but with his writing chops, he actually brought out a lot of unique qualities with the other actors, which which I thought was great. So something like this, I think his shtick was not tiring, but just definitely not a, a heavier light than let's say his writing. What do you think? No, I mean, well, he didn't write this completely himself. He no. uh, co-writed it with, uh, what's his name, Michael Bacall? Mm-hmm. Bacall? And uh, I'm not too familiar with him. But, uh, I mean, yeah, if, it, I, if he co-writed this, you know, I, I think, if he co-wrote this, I think it, it proves that he has some skill, and, and uh, I did enjoy this film, and, and I, would have, I would love to see more of his work. And I think he he may have a a talent in there. 
I think I probably might enjoy his his talent in, in writing more than kind of watching him because I yeah. think after a while I would get tired of his one-dimensional acting yeah. Uh, yeah. skill. But, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I don't love him, but I enjoy watching him and stuff like that. I just feel like I would get tired of him after a while. I agree, I agree. And I'm just thinking over his works in my head and I'm, I'm bringing this up again with the one-dimensionalness because it is there even... I love the movie, was it two years ago, with Cyrus. I love that movie, Cyrus. Hmm. But I don't think it was him that really made the movie to me. It was the writing. It was the Duplass Brothers yeah. uh, writing that really made the movie for me. But his shtick was there, and I kind of enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it wasn't as prevalent as something like Superbad, where I think he really, he really came supremes. out. Yeah. So looking at this film, it's quite interesting, because... I loved it. The comedy was great. And it's relevant in the writing. So here, in this scenario, I want to see what other films come out where Jonah Hill is the writer. Mm -hmm. But in the same respect, I would love to see what Tam Chang has to bring with the actors. So this film is kind of a, uh, a, um, a springboard mm -hmm. movie for me where I want to see more writing from Jonah and more acting from Tatum. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you think about the balance between the action and the comedy? <laughs> Do you think it was an action film first or a comedy film first? Oh, no, it's definitely a comedy film first um, with some action accents in there, which I thought were very appropriate and, you know... It just, Because uh, it didn't really take itself seriously. Well, mm -hmm. it took itself seriously action-wise, but it certainly didn't take itself... Well, even even just the action portion was just... was It was funny, like, um... Spoil alert, but... But the whole car chase, and, uh... They're, they're driving down this highway, and, um... With the bad guys, like, the, with the motorcycles run into a gasoline, you know, truck tank, and, uh... It didn't explode, and they're looking at each other like, "Damn, you know, I thought it was gonna explode." And they're, you know, they're driving along, and you know, something else happens where there's this like another truck with like a flammable substance, and one of the bad guys run into it, and then they're like, "Holy crap! I thought that was gonna blow, and it didn't." And then, <laughs> and then as they're like driving along, there's this like this there's the motorbike, right? The one of the the villains, and he runs into this like this truck filled with like poultry chicken, like yeah. chicken <laughs> and that explodes <laughs> and we're thinking like how the hell did that explode and not yeah. the other two incidents so and they made fun of it too. and they made fun of it they were, they were great but it's just even the the action portion of it i think was very uh, comedic and um fit well with the entire movie and and uh, i enjoyed it that was fun good good yeah it's definitely a, a comedy first uh, with great elements of action uh, they hinted to a sequel, right? Oh, they did. Oh, yes. The college years, right? Next. The college years. So I think that's great. And, uh, oh, can we mention um, the the relationship of this film and, and how they uh, how they brought reference of uh, the original 21 Jump Street and the two original cast that appeared in the show, which, spoil alert, I'm sorry, guys, but, I you know, I think that's something interesting to bring about on it, how, how nicely they tried to tie it up very well with the past uh, showing um, TV show oh, Twenty One Jump Street. 
Movies to Cats fans. Well, I didn't want to say it, but... Well, you did say spoiler alert, so I we're did, clear. I did, but I can't remember the other one. I know one, definitely, of course, is Johnny Depp. And yeah. there's another, which... Which I felt was kept pretty hush-hush. Oh, yeah. Because I remember, um... What was it? Zombieland, when that came out. That's right. When Zombieland came out, it was a big thing that Bill Murray was in there. And, like... I remember that was making a big buzz, and everyone was trying to hush it, but it kind of leaked out. Here, I know it was kind of expected since Johnny Depp did uh, originally work on the TV show Jane 21 Jump Street, but it wasn't really known that he was in this movie, so I thought that was a great surprise. It was short and sweet. It was tongue-in-cheek. He definitely um, was there for a short while and made fun of the fact that he was already on the show. He made a reference like, oh, like, you know, he's like, uh, t- Jonah Hill and Tatum Channon was, said like, oh, like, we're, we're on 21 Jump Street when they found out that their cover was blown and they're undercover cops and Johnny Depp was actually a drug dealer within the motorcycle gang and he's like, oh, I was on 21 Jump Street too, but it was a reference to the TV show Tongue and Cheekly, so I thought that was a nice surprise. I thought they didn't overplay it. I think it was just part of the comedy that came out of that show, or came out of that movie, so it wasn't, I didn't think it added anything to the film, I thought it was just a nice little touch, I thought it was kudos on Johnny Depp for kind of highlighting his old career, mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. but 21 Jump Street, the TV show, was a drama, it wasn't really uh, comedic at all, so, mm-hmm. so, but it was nice, it was cool, I, I liked it, I dug his, his little cameo. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to the sequel when they make it. Yeah. If, yeah. if it, they make it, which yeah. I really think they, they left it open for it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, no, I just want to make a reference. I, I think the other uh, 21 Jump Street character that, that just shows up with Johnny Depp, if his name is Peter DeLuise, if I'm saying it correctly. I think that, that was him. Yeah. Um, just, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm correct. but. Um, oh, you are. Okay, thank you. So, just want to let you know that was a nice surprise just to uh, show, to see that uh, in the film. So, um, so overall, uh, how many stars? How many stars? I give it a three point five out of four. Three point five out of. I four. thought it was it, it sustained my level of excitement and humor, and uh, I'm looking forward to their next sequel if they have it. I, I definitely want to see it in theaters, not just. DVD, but in theaters, and uh, I, it's it's holding my expectations high for Tad and Shaden hmm. as well. Interesting, good. And Joan Hill's writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I give it a three, three stars. I mean, I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was fun, but it wasn't great for me. Um, but it was nice. It was a it was a solid film. Very very impressed with the film and all. Uh, so I give it a three. A good rent. A good rent, yes. Yeah. And, and watch, you know, in the theater. I think uh, when if the sequel comes about, I think I definitely would make a point of watching in the theater, so I'm looking forward to that happening. Great. Okay, awesome. So we highly recommend it, and make sure you go see 21 Jump Street. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to review another new release of 2012, another comedy, Casa Danny Padre, starring Will Ferrell. <laughs> Hay algo que tienes que saber. ¿Qué es lo que tengo que saber? 
The biggest international motion picture of all time. Mi mujer, señorita Lopez, tiene que amar a la tierra como yo la amo. Is coming to America. Yo, Experience the action. The passion. The drama. Que disfrutes de todos los placeres de la vida, aunque sea la destrucción de la familia. The laughter. The music. On March 16th, the battle begins. Cierro a la muchacha. Solo te daré una oportunidad. Suelta a la mujer y te dejo vivir. Gael Garcia Bernal, Diego Luna, Genesis Rodriguez, and introducing Will Ferrell. Yo soy Armando Álvarez. Casa de mi padre, in color. You speak American? Huh? Do you speak American? No, señor. No habla americano. March 16th. All right, we're back. And uh, we're going to talk about Casa de Mi Padre. And uh, this very is... Very nice. It rolled off your tongue very well. <laughs> and this is a movie directed by Matt Piedmont uh, and the writers uh, Andrew Steele. And uh, Will Ferrell also plays in this film. It's complete... In, completely in Spanish, which I thought was really fun. And it's about uh, Will Ferrell trying to save uh, his father's ranch um, from being uh, destroyed by the Mexican drug lord that's uh, in the area. So um, it's it's a very simple plot. Uh, that's basically it. And uh, there are many subplots with this, with just like his brother, who um, is, I believe his name is... Uh, Miel, oh no, no, I'm sorry, that's the father, Raul, it's uh, Will Sparrow's uh, brother that he plays in this film, and it's like a little, uh, uh, Diego Luna, Okay. and uh, there's a whole like, kind of like a little love triangle, and Will Sparrow kind of falls in love with his, uh, his uh, fiance, or or soon to be bride, what, marriage doesn't really happen, but uh, we can go into depth, but it's just overall really fun film and uh what did you think about it chris i enjoyed it a lot i i think um we saw two great comedies recently this really held the steam uh after watching 21 jump street very hushed hush film i believe for this year i remember it was kind of talked about after the other guys uh when will ferrell played it with uh matt damon um was, no, I'm sorry, not Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg. After that film, it was kind of buzzed about that he was going to do this next. Uh, but I didn't really hear much from it. I didn't really hear anything good. I didn't hear anything bad. I just heard nothing about it. And I thought it was a great concept. Just the fact alone that this... And this is the big element of the movie, that it's in Spanish. It's in English subtitles. Will Farrow speaks Spanish throughout the whole entire thing. A, a, a white person speaking Spanish is funny on its own. A gringo speaking Spanish is funny on its own. 
when you have Will Ferrell do it, that's that's good enough to get me to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was on board from the beginning, and the fact that they they played it straight. I mean, you know, it's a parody. It's a par. It's a a parody not only off of telenovelas, but also see even the fact that I said telenovelas like that's funny. You know, <laughs> because I just butcher it. So uh, the fact that he's butchering Spanish is great, but he actually speaks Spanish pretty well. So I, I thought so. But anyway, so so it's a playoff of telenovelas. It's also a playoff of grindhouse seventies movies, um, which I'll get into what I didn't like about that. But I just thought it was great. I thought it just it was funny. The fact that the fact that he kind of was in tune to the mannerisms of Mexican stereotypes. The fact that they laugh a lot and giggle a lot. <laughs> Because they do, Mexicans do. No, I'm just kidding. No, but the fact that he, like, they did stuff like that, and the fact that he was so serious in his character and speaking Spanish, I thought it was great. I thought it was a lot of fun, and it was simple enough where it was, I think it was, despite being subtitles, I think it was easy to follow along. And uh, I enjoyed the, the cheap quality of it, the fact that they have a robotic white, Lion or tiger, rather, in there. It was it was purposely done in a cheap quality to kind of um, bring about that nineteen seventies film yeah. uh, feeling to it. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun and a good watch. I I, I highly recommend it. Um, but with that said, um, just kind of technically or aesthetically with with filmmaking. I thought it was funny that Will Ferrell, yes, speaks Spanish, but I also saw that he wasn't really in tune to the responses from other actors, probably because he's not a native speaker. And I'm not sure if that was... I don't I don't think so at all. Like I, I, think, didn't, no. I didn't have that charisma, usually, that well, I get from Will Ferrell at times. I think this entire movie is just, he's so awkward in it. I think his character alone just portrays this kind of of a dumb ranchero, you know, like yeah. it, the fact s- that he killed his mom when yeah, he was a kid. A spoiler, but yeah, so it's just like it. I don't think there was a lack of charisma and a lack of connection with the other characters. I think he was meant to portray that person who he's just kind of an outsider, and in a film. In, its, in his own way, his character is an outsider. He's a romantic uh, yeah. man. He's a, He loves his land, you know. He has this passion about him. And his father is no way like that. Neither his brother, Raul, is nowhere near like that. So he just brings about a different persona. And I think that's what makes him not connect with the characters. Not because of the fact that he couldn't relate to what they're saying cuz honestly he 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 spoke really good and I think really well um in this film so I, I think he kind of knew what the characters were saying to him cuz he would have had sure, to sure. studied it and he would have had you know tutors you know language you know tutors and whatnot and on the set itself so I think that wasn't it I think it's just he was awkward in yeah. himself and I give a lot of Credit to Will Ferrell for doing a project like this because oh, I give him so much respect for it. He does I... a lot of things like that. He does a lot of smaller films, uh, like 
Oh God, it's escaping me. Could you pull up his uh, his um, filmography? Um, the the one that we uh, I saw at Tribeca this year. The name is escaping me. Um, anyway, Kathy will pull it up. He does these small films. Also, he has uh, funnierdie.com, which in itself was a big project. And um, it's it's things like that where he goes out on a limb and really does do a great job. Everything must go. He just did a smaller independent comedy, which was also not, not heavy on the Will Ferrell comedy, but it was still a cutesy, warm comedy that I think a lot of people will enjoy and see him a little bit out of his element a little bit. Um, so a lot of respect for Will Farrow. And yes, I agree, he, he must have done a lot of studying, and he, and, and he did have a lot of humor interacting with other characters. And uh, it wasn't really a big, uh, a big flaw, in my opinion. It's just little things that I've noticed while watching the movie, which, which um, is not a big negative, but... But then again, I don't think it's a negative because yeah. his character himself is an it. outsider. Yeah. Sure. So it, I think it was meant to be, no, you know, portrayed that way. No, it does, way, and it could be portrayed as part of the humor of the movie. Exactly, sure. and I thought that was funny. Yeah, me you too. Know? And I think, and I, I think uh, not to cut you off, I also think that the the smaller elements, the smaller humor in this movie really brings out the total humor of the film. The fact that they played it so straight and pen face in particular with the villain, Sophia's uncle. Uh, I forgot his name. But the fact that he's smoking cigarettes and he has one cigarette in his mouth and he's tossing it back and forth while talking to Raul and uh, Armando. And all of a sudden he lights a second cigarette, so he has two cigarettes going at once. And he just plays it so straight, and it's things like that that make it really funny. Mm -hmm. The fact that Raul... Uh, is getting shot at the end, and he still is drinking his 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 hard liquor. That's that to me is hilarious, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like that that really brings out the film. And then there's this also version of the film that plays off as a grindhouse seventies movie, and there are some parts where that really shines and is funny. But I thought it, it really didn't have to. It, it really didn't need that to be funny. I'm I'm actually getting a little tired of the parody of the grindhouse look and and you know and we have to go back and make it into a '70s feature because now it's the latest craze like with Quentin Tarantino and his films and and uh, Black Dynamite and movies like that that this has to be the new trend and I don't I I think I'm getting a little tired of that aspect but there are some funny elements to the movie that sh have that shine, like the sex scenes, and then all of a sudden it interjects a cheap mannequin as the body double to Sophia. That was funny. Uh, the fact that you have a really cheap-looking uh, white tiger, and they they uh, cut out the, the, this, the, the fight scene with the tiger and the coyote to make it seem like a, a chopped-up grindhouse film. That was okay to me, but it wasn't really the, the main comedic element. The main comedic element to me was the fact that here's Will Ferrell talking in Spanish and uh, it was just playing straight and serious the whole way f through. What did you think, Kathy, about the 70s element of the film? Um, I, I think it, it was funny. I uh, enjoyed the whole uh, sex scene with the mannequin thing. And you um, saw a lot of Will Ferrell butt. And it's... <laughs> 
a lot of wolf fur, but which was very nicely balanced with uh, what both cheeks were balanced. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, no, not not in that sense. What I'm trying to say is because they also show the uh, character Sonia, and you know she's also like naked from the bottom, and her you see her butt and whatnot. But and she they, just grabs his, and, and it's just like it. But it's funny because it's balanced in a sense where they show just as much time of Sonia's ass and they show Armando's ass which is played by uh, the, the character Will Ferrell so they like equally showed you know they're both butts and I thought that was funny and then at the end when they were getting heavy then you see Will Ferrell with the mannequin so that was funny that was hilarious but I think the whole um, spoiler but when they have the scene where the white tiger is about to fight with the wolves. Um, it's interrupted by a letter, basically just explaining yeah, like the fact that really what had happened during the scene and, and how the director got into trouble and whatnot because uh, there was like, you know, uh, he didn't have uh, the right to have a live coyote in a set and, the, you know, some you know crew members died. So that whole aspect of the film, I think, that scene just ruined it for me completely. I think um, there was a, a very nice way of uh, subtleness of having like the mannequin in play, or or the fact in, in early in the movie when Will, you see Will Ferrell pick up a small calf, and all of a sudden you see him, and it's like a fake, you know, calf. Yeah. And that was funny because it was meant to be seen, but it was kind of tried to be subtle but not but with that intermission where the, they had this letter come up and the director was explaining it over the movie like you just had to stop the movie just to explain it that ruined it for me and I think from there I kind of just like kind of I wasn't fully engrossed Indeed. in the movie I was more like it, it had taken me off of, of that whole flow now, do, do you think they had to make it into a grindhouse feel. I mean, like, even from the beginning with the title card sequence and and Christina Aguilera singing the song, it kind of had this, like, James Bond well, kind of introduction. And I think it was necessary because uh, this type of film is very stereotypical and it goes under a line of... Um, kind of Mexican um, telenovela feel to it um, and I think during the past I mean I'm, I'm not an expert in, in watching um, Mexican western films or whatnot but with what I've gathered and what I've experienced it's it's kind of very similar so you know in the past during that era the whole grindhouse thing it was it was I think universal in aspect of here in the United States or even in Mexico and other um, 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 countries so I, I think they were just trying to uh, capture that feel yeah. so I think that was appropriate and that was fine for the film I just don't think that you know I think they they took it a bit further than they really had to yeah because I feel just thinking this through I feel like if if they were to play it straight with the the Mexican cinematic experience by being in the language they might as well have made the 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 period Aspect, the fact that it was taking place in the 70s, and the cheap aspect that this was a cheap film, seriously as well. Because I feel like by making it so blatantly obvious that this was supposed to be a Grindhouse movie, uh, really does not take itself seriously in that case, and becomes very campy and, and, and takes you out of uh, the, ele- the the humor that I was trying to go for. So I think it, w- it could have been funnier, or could have just been uh, as funny if they just set this as a period piece in the 70s and just made it a cheap film. 
like not reference uh, the cutting of the the film cells and and the burning of of the films and the distortion of color, you know, and and the voiceovers and the wiki wiki wah music, you know, like I feel like they could have really taken that out and still had it funny if it was just placed in the seventies. It was a cheap film and it was in Spanish. I don't think so. Keep the whole thing straight and serious. You no, know, I don't. I really don't think so. I think the whole. Wiki Wiki Wawa song, you know, in the beginning brought character into this film. I think this film is not a modern Western Mexican movie. It's more based in 1970s. So with the 1970s, you're going to get some of those aspects that you did not enjoy. I just think they went overboard a little bit. And it was more overboard towards the, the middle end of the film, especially with that whole... Um, white tiger coyote fighting scene mm-hmm. so that ruined it for me but I think it was necessary to have some of that aspect that grindhouse feel to it for example I know I'm going off topic here but with what was it was it Quentin Tarantino's um, yeah. um, film what was that movie um, Death Proof Death Proof you enjoyed that whole grindhouse feel because it took that seriously it took both both those double features with um Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino with Planet Terror and 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 uh, Death Proof, they took that whole element and made it serious. But also, I feel like that by doing so, after Death Proof and that, the whole element of a Grindhouse movie became a parody on it itself, and everyone started doing it. I don't know. I mean, granted, maybe they didn't take it serious in this film. You know, the whole Grindhouse feel to it, but. I think it was appropriate because it's Will Ferrell, hello, and I just think they just took it to an extreme and they shouldn't have, but I thought it was necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's well, like, compare it, like, something like Mary, um, Machete. You know, Machete is trying to go for the grindhouse look, but you, it's not, you're not taking out of that element that, oh, they're trying to do a grindhouse feel. Yeah, like but you're, the machete is more, is less of a comedy than this film. Yeah, but it's, it's still, still funny, it's still funny, but, I mean, it wasn't like Will Ferrell funny, like he's blatant, you know, but somewhat it's, it's of an imbecile. it's a matter imbecile. of talking about a theme, right? But then I think you need to be, okay, look. Okay, I'm looking. I just think. I'm looking. I just like think, I just think it's appropriate it wasn't, it's appropriate to have a little taste of it in this film. Because in this film, Will Ferrell was, in his comedic ways, he was bringing about that not taking things seriously. So I don't think the, the whole grindhouse here should should have been serious either. I just well, I don't think... I thought he was taking that serious, though. I just think he was taken to another level. level. I, okay. I think we need to move from this topic because I'm tired of talking about this. Okay, so I guess we have to end this uh, review then. No? So, either way, I... <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying, Kathy, and, and you're right. You know, I think it's it's either you're going to like that or you don't. And for me, I thought it was a great movie. It was funny, but that wasn't the, the comedic highlight, the, the grindhouse aspect of it. Matter of fact, I think it actually uh, put down the movie a notch or two. But the whole... Mexican cinema uh, humor actually bumped it a few notches up, so I think it kind of cancels cancels each other out for me. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Wrapping up this movie, yeah, I think you're right. Awesome. So, with that said, Catherine, do you have anything else to say about the film? No. Okay. Out of four stars, what do you rate it? A three. A three. 
That's funny. Out of all that complaining and argument, we realize that we both have the same rating. I, too, think it's a, a 3 out of 4. I think it was a solid watch. Very funny. Um, and, yeah, I think I think people should get a kick out of it by going to go see it. What do you think? Any last no. comments? No. Awesome. So we're going to take our last short break, and when we come back, we are going to do our top five for the year so far of older releases we've seen since the beginning of the year. So we will be right back. episodes that we've done for the Movie Lovers podcast is having some sort of list and 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 now is a good time of the year to do lists since it's a little bit more than half of the year but half year lists and, and movies of, of, of the year so far are coming about and a general theme for for our podcast is that we do dive into older releases. Um, the next podcast that we'll do next episode we'll go into the our our picks for the year thus far, but right now we want to talk about older films that we've that we've watched and liked thus far. So it's a it's a time to actually revisit a lot of films for a lot of our listeners out there. Maybe allow uh, our our listeners to actually meet these films for the first time. Many of which are first time watches for us, and really bring into the limelight again a lot of great movies that might have laid dormant for so long. So I'm going to start uh, with uh, my fifth pick of this year. And uh, we're kind of going to do a round robin uh, like in the past where we kind of do five and five, four, four, and thus and so forth. So without further ado, my fifth 
uh, old re- uh, favorite old release of the film thus far uh, of the year thus far is Career Girls. This is a Mike Lee film that we've watched, and all of our films wow. pretty much <laughs> we've seen uh, together um, this year. But Career Girls, I really enjoyed. From Kathy's reaction, I don't think she liked it as much. <laughs> I, I can't even remember which film this is. I just know I hate it. <laughs> well, it's a, it was a retrospect film from Mike Lee where you had these college uh, roommates and friends that had their own quirks and tics and problems, mental, physical problems. Yeah, I hate um, this film. I some, some had some. It. Yeah, I kind of watched it because I was really involved because you had... Uh, one girl who uh, had a skin condition, had a mental condition, had a nervous tick. He had her roommate that had a little bit of an attitude problem. Also had this kind of neurosis uh, tick of herself. You had this one guy who was very shy and had some mannerisms uh, with with his body and with his thought process. He was kind of a compulsive disorder guy. So all of them had their own old problems. Uh, but, and then 10 years later, they kind of meet each other again. This is based in England. Uh, they, they kind of come back more mature, uh, more clear. Uh, their problems kind of vanish. They, they kind of, uh, allow themselves to calm their problems in a sense, uh, except for this one guy who's still kind of lost in the past. And it was a fight, it was a challenge for them to kind of revisit their past, but also they kind of made amends with it as well. And I thought this was a great character piece. I think uh, the level of acting was very interesting. I thought the relationships, it was very much a character ensemble. You see this not for necessarily a storyline, but to see these characters interact. And it made a memorable impact on me this year, especially watching, as you know, Kathy, a lot of Mike Lee and Uzo films. And uh, yeah. I, I have nothing to say about this film. I could not stand the characters. I could not stand the personalities. It was so awkward. It was so weird. It was so depressing. I just could not stand being in the same room while Chris, Chris was watching this film. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not for everyone, clearly. And, and to be honest, a lot of Mike Lee films are that way. Uh, you have to kind of be into them in order to watch them. You might have to watch them a second and third time to actually appreciate them. Just because he has a tendency of diving into personal issues. Uh, real issues, unique issues. Personal in a sense that it affects the person, the individuals that are involved in the stories. But also unique in a sense that not everyone has neurosis problems or at least we don't like to admit that we do, but in a sense that here is a, a subgroup of people with their own issues that are very real. Uh, and, and he does that. He has that common theme throughout a lot of his films, and I think this is a great highlight of that. As a matter of fact, I would think that this is a great starter piece to get into Mike Lee films. Uh, great, great director. Um, and uh, I, I think if you give it a chance... Um, not like Kathy, who's not really given a chance. Uh, who I gave it a chance for you like did, 20 minutes You did minutes give it a chance. Film. I was just busting your chops. But it, um, I think this is uh, an intriguing look at some unique characters that if you're open to it, you'll, you'll get some excitement out of it. Disagree. Okay, then, Little Miss Sunshine, what's your number five? All right, I think 
Everyone will probably, uh, oh no. Oh, everyone? Really? <laughs> no, no, no. Not really? everyone's going to like this pick. Oh, because um, everyone's going to know what this one's about. No. Ironically, um, ironically, it's, it's quite interesting that this is your number five. I'm doing quite a bit of writing and research on an anthology between the two directors. Um... Oh, because, you have your time to talk. Okay. All right. I'll I'll talk more later. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was just being mean, but um, so you're you're actually you're right with this. I think I'm really coming out of my shell to even actually considering this to be part of my top five. I know. Um. So this film is uh the title is Early Summer and it's an Uzu film. It's a 1951 film, black and white, and um, basically it's uh based in uh. Uh, Japanese culture um, and uh, it's a very slow movie and it's not for everyone definitely took me a while to get into it and uh, I don't know why I stood so long watching this but I think after watching the entire film I was able to appreciate it and it's actually just about um, a very traditional Japanese culture um, where family is very intricate, it's a very important aspect of, of their lives, and it's about uh, a daughter, a 28-year-old daughter, um, Noki, Noriko, and uh, she is a very smart uh, young woman, she's 28, and uh, she is becoming the modern type of female where during this time more women are getting into uh the working environment and um some are choosing not to marry right away and that's kind of her decision and having um pressure and others influencing her and trying to uh pick a suitor which everyone tends to want her to pick it's it's a 40 year old 40 year old man um she in the movie makes her own decisions and how to um, what she what she should do for herself and her life and she ends up choosing another man um, which in my aspect was a very good choice even though she's not in love with him she chose him because this man was married before and his wife had passed away and he has I think a child or two or I forget but the point is that he already has children and her wisdom really shines through here and her reasons for picking this man as, as her uh, future husband is because she uh, she knew him as a child and, and they did grow up with him and she knew the type of man that he had grown to become and the fact that his wife did pass away but he adores his children and he um, you can actually see that family value and you can see that he's a, a really uh, um, a respectable gentleman and her choice for making that decision brings about you know a whole aspect of this woman who's very wise and and although was pressured to marry another man she chose this man because and these are her reasons so I thought you know this film brought about um, in a very subtle way, the importance of family, the culture of, of, of Japan, Japanese culture, um, the whole aspect of, of women coming into working environment and, and struggling with, with, with uh, peer pressure and, and, and marrying and children and her independence as a woman. Um, so I thought that this movie really brought about very interesting concepts, and I really adore her character. She's a very strong woman, very polite, very um, secure of herself, and yet very respectable, and, and that's why I uh, came about loving this film. So it's 
the number five for my list. Oh, great choice, great choice. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, I I feel the same way probably about Uzo the way you feel about Lee, where it, uh, I have to kind of get into his films a little mm. bit more, I realized. Um, but ironically, uh, Uzo was a huge influence to Lee. Yes, yes. And mm. the fact that they... They share the similarity of, of internal conflict, uh, social issues, peer issues, individual conflicts. That's really where both of them shine. So is it ironic uh, that we both have a, a fifth choice uh, with, these direction, with these directors that have so similar elements to their directing? And you're absolutely right. I think um, the amount of Mike Lee films that I saw, I didn't quite see the entire film, but for the amount that I did see, uh, you're absolutely right, Michael, uh, Mike Lee really does focus on um, the values and, and into the deepness of, of the characters and their issues and their struggles and, and its relations to everything around them. Mm. And uh, and I think that's where Uzu film comes in, because in this film, it's about the the depthness of, of, of the society of women and working and the family and its relation to, you know, in general to society and, and how these characters deal with that. So, yes, there is a very similar... They're both very similar in many ways, but I think the way that they approach film is just completely different. Mm. Um, and that's where why I don't like Mike Lee films. So. Okay. okay. But, yeah, but you, you should definitely give it a shot. You know, definitely, please. on both respects. Yeah. Um, Check out both directors. Yeah, I never, never imagined I would like an Uzu film, and I just end up, you know, really enjoying it. So I, I've learned something about myself. So you, you do empathize with characters a lot. I do. I'm, I'm big with that. I really am. So good, good choice. All right, moving along. Uh, My number four. uh, I tend not to like to bring up previous years' films, uh, just for the fact that. They are just overhyped and have a lot of buzz to them already. And I feel like I'm just adding a little bit of repetition. So I have a lot of honorable mentions from last year, um, including Fight Night. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin, uh, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. All great films I could have easily put into li- this list, but I would clearly be... Um, um, neglecting a lot of older films that should be revisited by our, our listeners, but I just had to include this one in my list because it 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 was a monumental um, film and it gave me a great impression uh, this year, and that's Drive. I mm. I love the movie Drive. Um, it was so unique. Uh, the storyline was great. Soundtrack was great. The level of suspense, the level of first-person interaction, the fact that Ryan Gosling's character was a little mysterious, a little bit of a stonewall character, not giving much detail to his expressions, I thought was great. The fact that Albert Brooks was was a villain, uh, great depth, that he was a very sympathetic villain um, from, from what I took out of, uh, out of his character which I thought was interesting. Um, great use of violence, great use of car scenes. You wouldn't think from a movie of this magnitude and from this hype and buzz that it was not as action-packed as I thought it would be. And I, I, I 
really wanted to talk about this film for a long time because um, I do have a, a special podcast that we're going to do um, later on involving more family members and an interview earlier on in the year from Albert Brooks, but mm-hmm. I can't I can't hide anymore, Kathy. I want to talk about this film, and I'm just eager. I own it. Can't wait to see it again. And uh, if you haven't seen it, run to go see it. <laughs> because it was clearly a great choice for for movies that I've watched this year. It was actually the first movie I saw this year. Um, old and new releases combined was actually the first. I saw this. Um, we saw this uh, at the beginning of the year. So, mm-hmm. so great choice in my in my regards. Mm-hmm. What about your What about your number four, Kathy? Um, my number four would have to be Beginners. We're um, not a uh, stranger to this film on the Movie Lovers podcast. I'm sorry. We're no strangers. Oh, to this that's film right, because we did mention this before in our we other podcast. podcast yeah, right. so I'm not going to go into depth, but uh, just a, a run up of, of what it is. It's Beginners, a movie um, directed by Mike uh, Miles, mm-hmm. uh, Mills, and um, it has um, um, Ewan McGregor. Did I say that correctly? Yep. Uh, Christopher Plummer. Um, and and we, we already spoke about this, but it's about a young man. Um, and uh, his character name is um, Oliver, and he learns uh, later on throughout his life that his father um, has uh, cancer, and, and he's uh, dying, but he's also uh, gay. And uh, the relationship that he has with his father is so honest and, and so beautiful, and, and, and I really, truly love that. And Christopher Plummer is just a, a great actor and in his own um, retrospect, so... Um, I love the way that this film just comes together and it brings um, humili- humility into it and uh, humanity. Humanity. <laughs> humility. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's great. So it brings humanity uh, into the whole film. One of those not? hue words. One of those hue words. Come on, you know what I mean. Oh. Uh, so yeah, I loved it, and and it's num it's my number four. Awesome, great pick. Just debating whether I put it on my top five. It clearly might make my ten, top ten at the end of the year. Good mm. choice, Kathy. Uh, my three, which is probably a foreshadow to your list, and I'll let you go into it a little bit more deeper, Kathy. Uh, Legend of the Drunken Master. Ah. Uh, I remember this night clearly, too. We got to see this on the big screen, double feature, Kung Fu Night uh, with Enter the Dragon. Another film that I was debating to put on my top ten. But I kind of saw that in pieces growing up. It was great to see it finally as a whole. Mm-hmm. But I have never seen The Drunken Master before. And the fact that I've seen, I have seen, saw Jackie Chan um, do his shtick. He has this funny shtick about him when it comes to his martial arts and his choreography. Uh, but the fact that he was drunk and that alone is such a funny element. And he was doing all his choreography... It was also nice to see a younger Jackie Chan because I never really grew up with a younger Jackie Chan. I grew mm-hmm. up with kind of an older, and he still pretty much looks the same. But it was just great and, and and very awesome to see this 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 mixture of comedy and and and, and martial arts and in such a pristine and 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 uh, perfect manner. It was just it was a great night, and it was it was clearly a great movie. Definitely go recommend it. If you love Kung Fu, if you like comedy, I think you're going to like it. Go see it. Go watch it. Yes. Um, this is actually on my uh, one of my top five. It's uh, actually number two on my okay. list. 
And um, I we didn't we speak about this in further depth in our past podcast? No, episodes? that was our lost episode. Oh. <laughs> so that we uh, we actually had a previous episode that we were going to talk about Moonrise Kingdom, but uh, for some reason it never played. We we pressed it, the button. We pl- we pressed record, but our device was uh, faulty yes, and it two never hours later. recorded. And it a lot of good stuff. So. Yeah. I'm not going to go into depth about this, but it's a 1994 film, and um, this was, uh, I thought I love Jackie Chang in this film, and, and, and the director, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to pronounce this right, but I'm going to try, Chi Line Lu, Lu? Yep. and um, fantastic uh, director, I, I, I really enjoy this film a lot, and uh, Jackie Chang is in there, and basically it's just about this 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 uh, martial artist, Jackie Chang, and he's young, and he... Um, He's a, a really good-hearted person, and um, he his true element, his true um, martial art skills come about when he's the most drunk, mm-hmm. and it's called uh, the drunken master because when he's drunk, he's able to like do this whole drunken master master skillful martial art. He's a little bit more limber and flexible. Exactly, and more more uh, risky and whatnot. And, and he's actually fantastic. So uh, it plays around with the with the aspect of the father being uh, respectful, I think, like town doctor and whatnot, and his father's forbidding him to do this. But um, the villains come in the picture. And the, the reason why I love this film so much is because the mother that plays uh, Jackie Chan's mother in this film, um, she uh, mm-hmm. brings about a very uh, independent quality of, of a, a mother, especially during that time in, 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 in China and China whatnot. Um, a female's yeah, role right. is very, uh, very subtle. I mean, she is very Subdued. submissive and, and very obedient uh, to her husband and and of course his mother was in this film but at the aspect you saw her rebellion her rebellious side of her mm-hmm. and uh you realize that she's actually a very strong um very strong uh, stepmother very strong um individual and and she is a very great supporter of Jackie Chang and and his fighting skills and whatnot and at the end Jackie Chan saves the town from the villains and uh it's just a great fun film to watch Mm, mm. Absolutely, I forgot about the mother, and she did. She was kind of like the neck that turned the head of the husband mm-hmm. and the children, and she was very manipulative, very mm, funny, very influential. Yeah. But you know, to the point where the husband really didn't realize how manipulative mm, she she yeah, actually kind of was. But to it. Uh, I guess you know that women had to be like that in order to try to get their ways. Uh, I guess in this culture, so. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was your number three? Um, that would have to be Jeff who stays at home. Good pick. Good pick. I'm sorry, Jeff who lives at home. Yep. Um, Duplex film. Yes, very very great film. Duplex. Sorry. Um, yeah, the the Duplass brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, really did enjoy this film a lot. It it brought about um, the whole aspect of of destiny and mm. um i think i think everyone can somewhat relate to this character uh jeff that plays by uh jason siegel plays jeff in his film and uh the whole concept of not really knowing 
you know, your place in life and, and what your role is and, and what your destiny is. And, and Jeff lives his entire life feeling that he was, he was, he was there for a reason and not knowing exactly what that was kind of brings him to a state where he just lives at home and that's the only thing he does. And he's waiting, he's waiting for something which hasn't, come yet and he's already you know yeah, he thinks it's gonna be huge and he thinks it's gonna be huge and and i think it's just you know character development of him learning about himself and about his brother and 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 how this whole film just um rolls about and 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 truly he finds his purpose in the end and and once that happens he moves on with his life so mm-hmm. i think this is a great film where everyone can relate to and uh and I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ed Helms. Uh, it was nice seeing him play kind of like a douche a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of a jerk. Um, it's, it's not like his white bread, um, character in The Office or other films that he, that he plays. Uh, so that was kind of cool. But yes, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge Duplass film fan. I really am. Um, I, I saw... For the first time um, earlier in the year, the puffy chair, uh, which is just great. I don't believe you saw it with me, but uh, another great film. And, and I said this before, but what the Duplass brothers do—that's—that's—that's that's, that's genius—is that they take small qualities of people. They take raw, blink of an eye qualities that if you literally blink on film on the screen, you will miss. Uh, these subtle actions that characters have in relationships with themselves, and they nail it. They they know how to record that. They know how to grasp that, and 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 they have the whole human psyche down to a science. And I really respect that about them. And here, here's an element of a guy who thinks that he's worthwhile, but he's just waiting. You know, he's just waiting for that moment to come. And everyone around him doesn't really understand his mother, his brother. Um, but he knows that he's special, and, and in the end, fate does catch up with him, and, and he's there for a purpose, and whether or not he's going to do something else afterwards uh, is up to him, but it's, it's small enough where you could appreciate what he did at the moment, and it's great, it's great. Mm-hmm. They are genius when it comes to momentary occurrences of individuals. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice, good choice. Um... You did, uh, you did two already. Um, I'm going to jump into uh, my number two, and really number one and number two, I just am in love with. Um, I could really watch these films over and over again, and they're interchangeable between my one and two thus far. Um, number two, best in show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a first time watch for both of us, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a. Mockumentary comedy uh, from the early 1990s that was seriously just such a small movie, just such a small concept about uh, a group of characters around the country that are going to put their dogs in a dog show in a national competition. And uh, it it was just so funny. It was just, you could tell that um, that Levy's writing, um, Eugene Levy's writing, just 
and, and not just writing, but the improvisation that comes from these actors are just immaculous. They're just marvelous, and and they're 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 great comedic presence. Even today, they um, they have become really the giants of comedy. You have um, Lynch, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Uh, who's in Glee right now, who's just a big presence right now. Was in the Forty Year Old Virgin. You have uh, Eugene Levy, who who just is a great writer and has made a name for himself to this day. And you have a lot of people um, that, if you see this movie, you'll recognize them from today. And uh, just enjoy this film. Go watch it and just laugh your heart out. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and I was actually debating if I should place this in my top five. I've never seen it before, and I think just the first time when I saw it with you. Um, I think, actually, I think I probably saw clips of it when I was younger, but uh, I really couldn't recall. Um yeah, this film was funny. It mm. was it was great, and just seeing all these characters together, um, I, I really did enjoy uh, just the whole plot of the fact of just going to this dog show, but just bringing about all of these quirky, quirky characters, and and uh, um, just bringing them in this one you know purpose for this dog show and how how they relate with each other and 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 you know with their pets and i just thought that that was great mm-hmm. so I, I really did enjoy this film and i i think people should definitely uh re-watch this if, if they haven't seen it in a while or have never seen it just go ahead and check it out very well stated mm-hmm. and uh the creme de la creme what's your number one Oh my goodness! Uh, that would have to be unknown. Mm. Yes, with uh, Liam Neeson, uh, two thousand and eleven. I've really, I've I've seen previews for this, but really didn't make a point of watching it. But somehow we we saw it. I think Chris just got the DVD, and we were like, okay, what's this? And I had no idea what this film mm, was about. There's a reason why I got it. But... No idea. I mean, this film was unknown to me. Mm. <laughs> it really, it really <laughs> was. Um, dun 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 dun. But it's basically about you know I I, I really don't want to say much about this, but it's um, just in general what I'm going to say, and I, I'll just say spoiler just in case if I say something that it's that um, it spoils uh, the film. But it's about Liam Neeson and his character and his wife. They they go into um, a trip to uh, this convention. I think he's a a. a a biochemist and they're going to this conference where he needs to be able to I think uh, give a speech and whatnot and uh, while he's in um, I think this is someplace in Europe was it based in a oh, Berlin I'm sorry and while it was in Ber- Berlin um, something happens just uh, he he goes he forgets his uh, briefcase in the airport and he's on his search and, and, and leaving his wife at the hotel in search for this briefcase and something happens and all of a sudden he's at back at the hotel and it seems like his life gets just, I don't know, like altered. Sh- altered and erased or shifted mm. or whatever you want to call it. And he's like, wait, what's going on here? And, 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 you know, people that have known him no longer know him. And, and, um, at, at that point you're thinking, well, is, is Liam Neeson just like crazy? Did he have just, you know, it, you know, did something happen to his brain that he just, he's, is he a schizo? So you just go into this film, just like, what the hell is going on? But there's this purpose. There's a reason why this had happened and at the end everything is revealed and you're like oh wow that completely makes sense now and holy shit so 
sorry for my cursing, but uh, I just love this film, and, and I really don't want to get into depth of it because I really don't want to spoil it for anyone. Um, but it's my number one for for this year so far. Good pick, good pick. I've I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, Liam Neeson has become this big action star, mm-hmm. but not only has he um, changed the face of action stars being an older actor, um, but also he's almost single-handedly rejuvenating or re re um, structuring how we view um, early or oh, I'm sorry late winter movies. The beginning of the year is usually known as a down period. It's uh, the slump of the movie year because we come from the end of the year, Oscar prep, all these, all these um, dramatic movies. Usually the beginning of the year is reserved for movies that have lower expectations. And for a while, we had Taken, which was a Liam Neeson movie. Mm-hmm. We had The Unknown, which was a Liam Neeson movie. Yeah. Um, and we also had The Grey, which we, we spoke about on the podcast and uh, we absolutely adore all Liam Neeson and all great quality movies. Mm-hmm. Taken is now going to be a sequel later on in the year. Can't wait for that. So that's a testament to itself. He's really making us aware that January, February, March can be a great time to go see movies. Interesting, yeah. You're right. And The Unknown is... Um, an example of that. It's a great example of that. Good choice, Catherine. Thank you. So, um, with that said, it's now time for my number one. Go for it, Dun Dun Dun. Uh, Danny Brasco. Ooh. That okay. was a first time watch, um, which I I was shocked that I've never watched this before. Uh, my family grew up with uh, gangster movies. We were into watching The Sopranos together. I watched The Godfather, God Knows When, for the first time. Goodfellas grew up with Martin Scorsese. But somehow this really uh, skipped my radar. And uh, I just love it. I love the fact, not only is it... I, for some reason, I, I like the, the genre of gangster movies. Mm. Um, but Martin Scorsese um, and his films, Francis Ford Coppola... Uh, the Godfather, Goodfellas, Casino, all these films, they glamorize um, what a gangster is, mm-hmm. who a gangster is. Mm-hmm. This film doesn't take that approach. It tells you the story of Al Pacino, but as a working man gangster, mm-hmm. right? As a lower tier peddler, as, as he likes to say in the movie, a spoke on a wheel. And he knows his place. He would like to become higher because he's older. Al Pacino is probably in his 50s when he made this, probably. Yep. He want he wants to be higher, but he's kind of a low life a little bit. He's mm-hmm. kind of poor. He's in it with the loan sharks. He's in a strenuous amount of debt. Uh, his son is a, is a drug junkie. You know, he's not really admitting to much, and he realizes that he's come to a place in his, in his gangster career that he's not going to get higher than what he is. Huh. And I thought that perspective was never really seen in a gangster movie before. And I love that. That quality alone. I thought Al Pacino, he's Al Pacino. He's a great, he's, he's bombastic. Uh, but there was this one particular scene where Johnny Depp, later in the film, 
um, that he kind of waves this gun in his face and in 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 mocking that he was going to kill himself. And I thought that was just Al Pacino at his best. That was great acting from him. On the reverse side, you have Johnny Depp, uh, who plays an undercover FBI agent. And I don't want to get too much into the storyline because I want you to go see it, guys. But go see it, and, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, he's an undercover FBI agent into the mob, uh, going into the mob as a gangster, as as a, as an up and coming uh, made man. And um, I thought Johnny Depp was great. I thought this was one of his act- best acting roles. Roles. Uh, I recently read um, an article of, of Tim Burton. Uh, talking about his involvement with Johnny Depp and, and liking the fact that he can he has a lot of range. He can play all these characters. He can sing. He could not speak. He could speak a lot. He could do everything. And that's great. But I think sometimes you need to hone that down a little bit mm. or else it's going to get a little tiring. Um, especially now Johnny Depp is doing a lot where I feel like he's utilizing that Jack Sparrow type of accent, which is getting annoying to me. But here... He's playing it straight. Yeah, he's a character. He he plays a little bit of a New Yorker, you know, with that accent. Um, but I think he plays it very well. And I think this is. I think. Um, I think he. I think this shows that you know what Johnny Depp can play a straight character. And I think this is a good testament of that as well. Um, and uh, I mean, and so you have this just great ensemble of cast. You have this great storyline that we don't really see much in gangster films. Um, the ending scene with Al Pacino, it, it, it was just very poetic. Uh, you know, there, there comes a point when watching a film when you say, okay, certain things have to be in place and, and you want things to happen. And when they do, and, and when they do it so well, it's like a harmonic orchestra. It's like just music to my ears. And, and this movie really nailed, um, a great watching experience for me. So I was really happy with it can't wait to watch it again and uh it's really a strong number one for older releases that i've seen thus far this year wow um i agree with you i think donnie uh donnie uh, donnie brasco that film was fantastic and and i've seen it a couple of times i have and then i completely understand why it's your number one uh for this year and 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 i agree with all the uh aspects that you've made and and i think al pacino was fantastic in in this film i think johnny johnny depp was great in this film too and and and, uh the whole gangster feel of it i I completely am you know all for that and then for the action and whatnot and and i i just truly enjoy this film and then yeah i agree with you and i am glad that's your number one film yeah, I would have been. T- I would have been like mortified if you ended up picking like a Mike Lee film. <laughs> That's for sure. Who knows? We gotta do the top ten. That's true. Like, who knows? Um. So, do you have anything else to add, Catherine? No, no. I, I think. Uh, I think we said it all. Great. So that wraps up episode four of the Movie Lovers Podcast. Please follow us again on Twitter on underscore films we watched. Uh, um, fan us on 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 Facebook. Uh, download us on iTunes, go to soundonsite.org, and really uh, just just sit down and just enjoy all the reviews and all the resources they have to offer. And until we meet again, guys, watch more film and go out there and just enjoy your movie-going experience. Have a great night. Why do bright? Do we bite and scratch and scream all night? Let's go.
the songs we know. 